This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Hello and welcome to another episode of the All Things Considered CX Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Asman. We're glad to have you back. As we continue to explore a number of different areas in terms of technology and how it is supporting the customer and employee experiences. And so my guest today is uh, Uku Tomakas, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about that as we get into this podcast. And so welcome, Uku, to the podcast. And if you would, uh, introduce yourself to our listeners. Uh, thanks, Bob, and, and hello, everybody listening in as well. My name's Uku. I'm the CEO of Maseta Communications, father of two, active man. That's pretty much it. Ah, that's great. And where are you coming to us from today, Uku? From Estonia, uh, from our capital here in Tallinn. Excellent. We always love to have um, guests representing uh, global areas, and it really gives us a different perspective. So we really appreciate the fact that you're coming to us uh, today internationally. That's fantastic. So, Uku, tell us a little bit about your background and how did you end up doing what you're doing today. And and we, we always like to know what the career path has been of our of our guests. So what does that look like for you? Yeah, so mine's been quite varied. Um interestingly enough, I'm a lawyer by 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 degree in a way, because I finished law school and became a lawyer. And ever since I was very small, I think it was the second grade when I decided that I wanted to become a judge. And then actually going to law school made me realize I didn't want to do law at all. Um, and during my studies, I worked in a medieval restaurant, wore green tights and curled up shoes. And from there, did my mandatory army service here in Estonia, became a decorated artillery platoon commander. From there on out, went and got my first job in, in leadership, actually, actually, outside of the army, which was running a small seafood wholesaling company. Burned myself out there quite quickly uh, and realized that maybe I wasn't really ready to run a company with international aspirations at, at 22, 23. So then I took a step back, took a sales job, um, not even just a regular sales job, but an SDR job here at Macenta seven years ago. And through that seven years, I've progressed from just being a junior salesman today being the CEO and shareholder of that very same company. So I've had a lot of different experiences, do a lot of different stuff on the side. And I guess that that has been my strength throughout my career, just this willingness to try a bunch of different stuff and see what works. Well, first of all, thank you for your service to your in the defense of your country. That's, that's uh, very admirable. And um, interesting background, to say the least, um, the the would you characterize yourself as an entrepreneur? Um, you like doing different things. You said, how would you kind of characterize uh, um, yourself? Oh, that's a good question. I would usually characterize myself as a grinder. I'm rarely good at things in the start. I mean, I I usually extend the learning curve that people usually have by a bit for myself, but I'm doggedly determined to get things done. So, and if you combine that with a willingness to pretty much say yes to most everything, 
that kind of gets me into these situations where I try and do a, a bunch of different stuff. So I'll, I'll give you an example. I also sometimes moonlight as a high school English teacher. And I got into that position where my wife that was connected to an organization uh, got a request for an English teacher. And she just asked, hey, do you want to be a substitute teacher for two weeks? That two weeks turned into three months. And because I liked it as much, I offered, hey, you know, why don't I do a course or something? Not really thinking that they would pick up on it. But they did pick up on it. So for like two or three years, I was a high school English teacher prepping uh, students for the Cambridge Cambridge Advanced English exam. And then also doing like courses on workplace communication, how to build your CV, copywriting, stuff like that. So it's pretty much always a matter of saying yes and then sticking it out and not quitting. That kind of gets me into these situations. I like uh, your characterization. Uh, as a grinder i think that's the first time i've heard that and you're and the way you defined it makes total sense um and the examples you give uh support that so one of the reasons we asked i asked our guests about their background is just like you have a varied background and it's so fascinating to hear about that what are you doing in your role today that kind of taps into your your uh being an, an attorney uh being an english teacher um working your way up through the ranks how does that, just from a leadership perspective i'd like to get a little bit of your thought around that how does that all come together for you in your role today as ceo so there's a fair few things that sort of directly correlate with it and i've taken quite a lot with me into various leadership roles from my time in the military for example a lot of the time when you're thinking about the IT scene or you're, or you're talking about startups, they don't really want to think too much about the military mindset because it, it seems so um, anti-startup, anti-disruption. If you think about an organization that seems to be very um, harsh and bureaucratical, you kind of think of something like the military. But the military has a ton of things that can help a leader succeed so much. Let's take the principle of decentralized command, for example, where you come to your team with a vision or a mission that you need or want to be executed, and you ask them to come up with the actual game plan of how will we execute. They have their SOPs, which are standard operating procedures. They have the parameters in which they can um, execute that mission, but they also have complete freedom to function within those SOPs and those those sort of parameters which enables them to come up with their own plan that they will then keep to much better than any plan that you could have come up with. And then combining that with also having a much better understanding of what actually happens on the ground leads to much better results in my experience. So that's one of the sort of the concrete examples from that. And teaching, that really tells you and and gives you an opportunity to understand how to really work a crowd. If you think that a business conference audience is a, is a tough crowd, try teaching high schoolers, like 11th graders, like teenagers. They are significantly harder to impress and to keep engaged than any business professional at a conference. If you can crack that crowd, you can crack any crowd as well. And if you learn to teach them, you can teach people in your company as well and give forward those ideas, thoughts, 
present them in a very clear, concrete, and easily understandable manner as well. So, so those two experiences, for example, are directly correlating with my work on a day-to-day basis. And then any other experience that I've had in my life, they've always, I've always taken away some small piece or some small functioning that I can then test and carry out in other scenarios as well. That those are both excellent examples, and and I'm I'm sitting here smiling and, and perhaps laughing a little bit too about your high school example and uh, the comparison to uh, conference audiences. I I uh, my my undergraduate degree is in education, and one of the things I used um, when I tried to get a job in the business environment was as a person. Uh, academically trained in education, I have to deal with parents and teachers and students and everybody else. And you have to constantly adjust your style. So I can very much relate to your comments about teaching high schoolers. Uh, Very good. So let's talk a little bit about uh, um, Macente and what you're doing there uh, and uh, a little bit of the company background and so forth for our listeners. Sure. So Macenta is a business messaging company. Essentially, if you've ever gotten a parcel locker notification via SMS, a PIN code when you've signed up to an app, that's what we do. Essentially, we enable companies to do that. But we've taken a slightly different angle from, you know, the most known names in the world, for example, Twilio. We've taken a different angle to that is we're very much focused on delivering a very reliable and very secure product that also works on the anti-fraud angle as well. Messaging, business messaging especially, is used quite a lot to defraud people, unfortunately. So, for example, in Estonia, we're working with some of the biggest banks and the actual Estonian police to build different filters and gateways to try to hamper scammers from stealing money from people. And on top of that, that usually resonates with a lot of financial service companies, a lot of companies where the customer experience is super important, not just from the fact that the messages actually need to get there and you need to progress down whatever customer experience you currently have, but it's also important to protect the integrity of that customer experience as well, trying to protect your customers, if you're a bank, for example, from getting malicious messages or getting scammed or making sure that they're not spammed by different individuals who are just trying to use them or abuse them in one shape or or another. So it's just not simply about building a really good service that enables you to communicate with your clients across multiple channels, not just SMS, but also WhatsApp and Viber and rich communication services like RBM, which which is Google's product. But it's also about making sure that you take a look at the customer experience as a sort of a larger piece of the puzzle and think about the negative impacts that might not be done by your business, but the negative impacts that might happen to your customers through somebody using your brand in a malicious way as well. So we try to combat that on top of providing a very reliable and secure channel. I'm, I'm guessing based on the amount of spam and and junk mail and so forth out there uh, and the explosion of texting, it seems like every organization wants you to sign up to receive text messages, for example, or other ways of communication that your business must be doing really well right now. We can't complain for sure. Um, The the good thing about Macenta is that we're kind of in a different position to, to most 
classical companies you talk about, and most of our competitors, interestingly, as well, because Macenta is a 10-year-old company. Um, and while we try to position ourselves or try to be within the startup scene, we don't really kind of categorize as a classical startup. So we're a company with 29 people, 20 million in revenue. We're a company that has always been profitable since day one. We don't have you know, VC money backing us. We have our co-sort of founders still within the company as well. And our, we're barge, part of a larger ICT group, and we don't have any loans, anything else really taking us you know, down or putting us under extreme pressure. So when this current sort of economic downturn happened, a lot of our competitors, a lot of companies in the tech scene fired a whole bunch of people. But instead of that, we've been able to hire and, and keep everybody on the same pay levels. They'll be profitable day after day. So it's about building a different kind of a business in the long run, always looking at the long game instead of just thinking, you know, how am I going to make the most amount of money tomorrow? For us, it's always about how are we here and how can we stay here for the next 10 years, not maximize our profit and get an exit in three years. Boy, that's that's really encouraging to hear, and especially if we related back to your comments about leadership and how important some of your background and experiences are. It certainly seems to be driving the strategy at the at the company to keep it um, financially healthy for its customers as well as for its employees. And so, when when we think about this whole area, and you mentioned the customer experience. What I like about talking to guests, talking with guests like yourself is you're talking to a lot of clients. And in your case, you're, you have a global perspective. What are you seeing out there in the marketplace? You touched on it a little bit with a description of the company, but what are you seeing out there? What are customers concerned about? Not just your customers, but the customers of those customers. And, and what's your perspective on that? We'd, we'd love to know more about what you're seeing. So what we usually see is anything related to business messaging, right? And mm -hmm. what we see is that it is a very interesting tool for companies to use while simultaneously being completely underutilized. Because if you look at the global perspective, especially, and think of how many companies actually use business messaging within their customer communication portfolio, it's actually around 5 to 7% of companies globally actually use business messaging. And it's interesting because if you think, compare it to what a lot of companies use, like Google Ads, for example, then Google Ads has a cost per click of something like 2 to $4, depending on um, you know, what type of uh, ads you're actually running. And on SMS, it's roughly around 10 to 40 cents per click. So it's significantly cheaper compared to like Google ads. And simultaneously, if you compare the click-through rate on, on SMS, which is anywhere between 17 and 45% and compare that to roughly 3% click-through rate on Google ads, then you actually get to a position where as astonishing as it might seem, it's a nine times more effective and 15 times cheaper tool than Google ads. It's significantly less companies use it. So it's the question of why, why don't they use it? And I guess one of the things is that as a tool to set up, it can be a significantly more difficult process to go through than Google Ads. 
um, between actually having the number pools. If you want to launch in 40 different markets, it's it's a whole other headache if you need to register your content and, and do all of those things. So it's it's much more difficult, but it is an incredibly effective channel. And we see a lot of clients using it more and more and understanding the variety of use cases that you can have for messaging. Like for our clients, for example, one of the best use cases and one of the most successful use cases of all is abandoned cart notifications. You know, say you're an e-commerce platform, you have an e-store, somebody didn't finish their purchase. And after X amount of time, you send them a text message. It has about something akin to like 17 to 25% conversion on that text message. And considering how little that text message costs, you know, if you take the context of the US, you're talking about, you know, literally cents on the dollar, then, you know, if your average purchase on a cart is something like, let's say, $20, $30, you send, spend two cents to increase your conversion by 15%. The value is immense if you, if you think of the actual sort of money you're getting out of it at the end of it. And it's kind of this one of these things that we see quite a lot that isn't being done. So this advisory perspective on companies, look, how do you actually use that tool better? Same with rich messaging. We've, we've had our first clients launch rich channels. So anything that isn't basic SMS or something like WhatsApp or Viber, for example launching their first campaigns head-to-head against an SMS campaign. And in Bulgaria, for example, and same in Vietnam, and this is what's fun about running a global business, you see a lot of different perspectives. But in both Bulgaria and Vietnam, we see saw a 3x increase in conversion compared to SMS campaigns. So SMS is already a very strong channel for, for customer communication, especially you know doing very fast, very engaging customer touch points. But then if you add rich messaging that to that, you actually increase the CR by even more, taking it even further. So now it's kind of our job to teach companies to do that better, to help them improve their processes so they can use this channel as well as possible and not just you know use SMS for everything, but rather where does this particular tool slot into your general customer communication tool set? No, it doesn't replace email. It complements customer communication in various different shapes and forms. But you just have to teach people how to use it and how to maximize it. And, and I guess that's one of the things that's really currently missing, you know, things that we're trying to improve, but it takes time and a lot of effort as well. Mm-hmm. So a <clears throat> couple, couple of points I'd like to follow up with you on. Did I hear you correctly that only 5 to 7% of organizations are using <clears throat> The messaging, yeah, yeah, yeah. Estimated amounts than than Google is what you were yeah. than Google ads. Yeah, interesting. Yep, yep. It is, and and that's the interesting thing about it that it's it's more effective on average, and simultaneously less used. Yeah. But I oh, ahead, I understand sorry. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I understand why it kind of happens as well because it is a more complicated tool to set up in a way than Google ads. And you don't have one interface to launch globally. You're going to have to pick a partner, go through all of the steps, processes, registration, et cetera, if you want to do it globally. It's quite difficult compared to Google ads, but it is more effective simultaneously as well. Excellent. The second point you made was that this 
rich messaging um, complements the communication plan. And I know in my experiences in organizations that sometimes the entire communication plan can be disjointed, perhaps different parts of the organization are doing different communications with customers. Do you find it challenging to ensure that this is a part of rather than a bolt on to a communication plan when you're talking with clients? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the The hardest thing is trying to um, advise the usage of it and make it a part of an omni-channel solution, not a multi-channel solution. So the difference between a multi-channel and an omni-channel solution would be multi-channel is just using different channels, but they're all completely disjointed. They're not actually connected into the communication flow. Just everything does its own thing. But if you have an omni-channel solution, then every single piece of that puzzle complements another piece of it. You know, you start with an, an OTP code during the actual um, onboarding process. Then you will send an email with longer tr- uh, sort of uh, interactions to follow. Then you'll send a rich message with carousels. So you can choose um, one or a different option from, let's say, a menu if you're a food delivery app, whatever. So it, it, it needs to be a part of the entire communication flow, understanding where it has a place and where it doesn't. Um, and also understanding the frequency of it. People are used to getting a lot of emails in a day, you know, 60, 70 emails, but people don't want to get 60, 70 text messages in a day. Uh, the frequency and the understanding of how often that you need to actually reach people is, is very important in that communication flow as well. Um, I read an interesting, um, uh, an interesting research by, by Forrester. And they put out there that 76% of people who actually opt out of business messaging from a company opt out because they got too many messages. And only 16% opt out because they didn't opt in in the first place. I would have thought it would have been, you know, a, another way around, but actually it's not that you didn't opt in in the first place that people don't like. It's the fact that you spam them that you don't, that they don't like. And, and boy, a, a couple of interesting points you made again here in that as consumers, we certainly know when it's disjointed. We certainly know when a company's engaging in a multi-channel strategy versus an omni-channel, don't we? We can sense yeah. it immediately. Yeah, exactly. You you can sort of feel it when it, it just doesn't make sense as a, as a as a whole. No question about it. I'm, I'm right now. I'm searching um, for a used car, and um, I, I'm just, I'm just taken aback by the disjointed nature in which car dealers try to communicate with you. Forget about the vehicle itself, but just the communication. I, I recently got a message that said, um, you know, we're following up on your inquiry on this vehicle, and then in the body of the text, it said, insert your name here. And I thought, mm. oh my gosh, I don't think I'll buy wow. from that dealer. So, uh, you know, it's out there. As I said, you, as consumers, we we get that sense. So, okay, this is a fascinating discussion we're having. Uh, and I knew it would be because of the area that you're in, in terms of the customer experience and technology and messaging and so forth. Where do you think we're going? You know, everybody's talking about AI and chat GPT and, and on and on. You know, that's the latest hot topics these days. But from your viewpoint and the role you play in CEO and your view of this 
marketplace in which you deal. Where do you think we're headed here? It's a very interesting question um, because it's a comparison between what the situation currently and what are the potential future developments. So if everything continued the way it has been continuing so far for the past 10, 15, 20 years, 30 years actually for for the entire duration of of SMS, for example, and then you compare it to the speed of the the growth of AI and where it's going, then it's, it's quite a hard question to answer. From my perspective, I always go back to uh, an example that I have from um, from the telephone. So Telegram used to be a real thing, even up to the point where Telex uh, used to be a big thing. And it took the combined, like I thought for the longest time, the Telegram was killed off by the emergence of phones, essentially the ability to call people. But it turned out that that actually didn't kill um, telegramming. It was the combined efforts of telephones and the internet that killed telegrams off sort of um, in perpetuity. And then it's interesting because they've been talking about the death of SMS for the past 10 years, that it's a dead channel, that it's not being used anymore, et cetera, et cetera. And simultaneously, business messaging still keeps on growing because there is literally no other channel that reaches everybody in the world. If you think of how many mobile subscribers are there out there, a lot of countries are now mobile first uh, instead of having like a, a home computer or something like that. And each of those phones, even if they don't have a data connection, will most likely have a GSM connection. So if we think about the future and where it's going, I think it's going down the line where more companies will learn to use old tech in combination with new tech. So SMS in combination with AI, for example, finding ways to to automate those processes through that tool, or then using um, text messaging in its in its purest form in terms of SMS as a fallback to richer channels. So you'll start off with WhatsApp, but if the person doesn't have WhatsApp, then you'll fall back to SMS. And WhatsApp is a good example. It's the most popular OTT app out there with 2.5 billion users, I think. Um, no, 2.8 billion users with 1.4 billion users being in, in India. So it leaves 1.4 billion users globally, but there's, you know, 7 billion people. I think there's like 5 billion different mobile subscribers and they can all get an SMS, but they can't all get a WhatsApp message. So you're still going to need to be in a position where you utilize new emerging technology in conjunction with older tech that is quite often more reliable and gets there more efficiently than new tech that gives you a richer experience. But you still need to use rich tech uh, because even if the penetration isn't that big, it still has a huge amount of impact on your conversion rates, on your customer uh, sort of experience as a whole. Uh, A friend of mine from the industry actually drew a really good example of why it still makes sense to use a rich channel, even if it only has 20% market penetration in terms of subscribers, because it's kind of like smaller TV channels. Even though smaller TV channels have far smaller viewerships than larger TV channels, they still get ads. And those smaller TV channels in terms of viewership or in terms of subscribers to that TV channel, they're significantly smaller compared to 20 mark, 20% total market penetration in some, some market or another. So 
it's a question of how we look at the future of customer communication as a whole and learn to merge old tech and new tech to create a better, more engaging customer experience for, for any of the clients that we serve. I really like your depiction of this old tech, new tech. Um, I've seen so often where new tech comes out and it, just as you described, it's like a shiny ball syndrome where organizations run to the new tech and drop all of the old tech um, behind. And, and it's so, it doesn't make sense. And the way you just described it makes a whole lot of sense to me in terms of combining the two and looking what you can use from both aspects. So I appreciate that perspective. I can't believe how fast our time goes, Huku. And if our listeners want to learn more about what you do and uh, get connected with you and the company, how is it best for them to get in touch with you? Uh, the best two ways to get in touch with me, specifically, if you want to know a little bit more about channels, if you want to know about markets, how to approach them, what pricing might be for a market, just find me on LinkedIn, Ukutomikas, just as it's as it's pronounced and as it's written, um, is the best way to do that. Or alternatively, if you just want to have an account, sign up for free, start sending messages, then go to mesenta.com and sign up for an account and you can find your way into the world of messaging through that. Fantastic. I really appreciate your time today and joining the podcast. Thank you. It's been a fascinating conversation. I'm sure our listeners will enjoy it. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. It has been. Thank you. And this has been another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast. And as always, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your networks. And as always, stay tuned to another episode of this podcast, as well as my fellow podcasters on the CXFM radio network. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this session of CXFM radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxfm.org for more resources.